0: Hey, if you'll allow me, I'd love to share a really cool testimony and have a little family time before I get into my sermon. It didn't directly fit, but I think it's very inspiring. Are you guys up for that? All right, don't start my timer yet, all right? I need all my sermon time. This is, this is bonus content. Um, for those of you that don't know, we meet at Western High School. So, okay, cool, you guys all know that. Yeah, yeah, Western High School, for those of you online. And, um, and, and I realized that there are certain... Um, inconveniences that we sometimes experience. You know, sometimes we're here and there's no AC. Sometimes we're here and it's Antarctica, right? You never really know what you're gonna get. We just wanna keep everybody on your toes. Um, But we feel deeply called here because this is part of the mission to not just do church services, but to be the church. And so as we've continued to step in over the past seven years and just love and care for the, the school here at Western, the teachers, the administration, God's opened up doors. And so I got a text last week from the principal here at Western. He said, "Hey, man, I, I'm so sorry to bother you. It was like a Wednesday night. I'm so sorry to bother you. I, I feel so bad. I, I never like to do stuff like this, but but I don't know where else to turn. One of our best friends, healthy, active mountain biker guy, had a freak accident, had a slip and fall, and is in the ICU, non-responsive, and basically fighting for his life. Would you be willing to pray?" I texted right back. I'm like, actually, we're in microchurch right now. Um, the, you're not inconveniencing, the angel remembers this. I'm like, you're not inconveniencing us at all. This is what we do. Like, heaven, yeah, we'll pray. We're praying right now. And so we, we prayed. And we said, God, you know, he was basically saying, hey, it's not looking good. The doctors are sort of preparing his wife for, for the worst. Can you pray? So we prayed. And... Uh, you know, I'm a part of it. He said, can we pray tomorrow? I, I helped facilitate with Church United a, a, a meeting. And so he shared this prayer request with some 30 other principals and administrators all throughout Broward Schools, kind of before their workday starts. They're like, well, we could do whatever on our own time, so let's pray together. And so he shares this request with all these principals. And he texts me back, and he tells the group the next day, a week later, he said, hey, I I, I don't use these words lightly. My friend is experience what the doctors are calling a miraculous turnaround. He's out of the ICU. He's moving. He has full function. We just had Susie with him last night. He's like, man, I, I, I don't want to get emotional. I'm like, you're, you're a human. You're not a robot. You can get emotional. He's like, it's a, it, it's a miracle. Like, I don't, I don't have any other explanation for this. And I'm like, come on, Jesus. Like, that's why we're here. That's why we do what we do, it was amazing to watch. Amazing to watch our God do his thing, so. Anyways, very cool, continue to pray for God's blessing. I love getting to watch his kingdom come, miraculous healings flow, because that's what our God does, the same God yesterday, today, and forever, amen? Amen, stand on your feet, middle schoolers, you guys can be dismissed right now. We're gonna jump back into this series and i'm excited to see what god does. we'll end our time together. Uh, if you if you normally are the shoot out after the sermon variety, do not shoot out after the sermon because we've got our worship after service. you'll still get out on time, all right? but i think god's going to do something really special this morning. we're in the midst of a series called the awakening. everybody say the awakening the awakening. We're going through the book of Acts. We're going through this incredible move of God that happened in the book of Acts. We've dialogued through some incredible moves of God that have happened in the modern era, in modern history, uttering the refrain that if God did it before, he can do it again. And that's our prayer. Last week, week we talked about the message of this great awakening, the beautiful and mind-blowing good news or the gospel the good news there it is some of you if you if you missed it you can check it out on our youtube or on our podcast just search greenhouse south florida you can check it out there this week i want to talk more about our response to this good news gospel unpacking for us this robust bible word called repentance everybody say repentance is that preston man i love preston it's good to see you bro Sorry, got distracted there. All right, Acts chapter two, turn in your Bibles. We're gonna jump into this thing and it is going to be good. I'll catch us up to speed. And if you don't have a Bible, we got Sky Bible up on the screen for your viewing enjoyment. So fear not. Up to this point, God has moved in a powerful way. Jesus has done the holy levitation up to heaven. Jesus said to wait until the power of the spirit comes. Sure enough, it happens. They start speaking in languages that they did not know prior. It's wild, it's miraculous, it's so crazy. Everybody around thinks they're drunk true story. Peter gets up and his opening introduction to his sermon is, hey, y'all, they're not drunk. It's nine in the morning. That's the Bible, right? That's what it says. And then he goes on to unpack what God is doing, this incredible work of the Spirit. And we'll pick up here in verse 36. And if you're ready, say, preach, preacher. All right, I will. Verse 36, therefore, let all Israel, this is Peter speaking to the masses gathered. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized. By the way, when you encounter the good news of the gospel, the first response is and has always been this, to repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Now with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000, everybody say, wow, it's a decent sermon, decent. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. Would you join me as we pray? Jesus, would you come and move in this room in ways that are well beyond anything I could ever do? and communicate your heart and the great news behind this robust Bible word, repentance. Show us the gift that it is. Or maybe for some of us in in a church environment, it's been leveraged against us like a weapon. Show us the gift and the joy that's found on the other side of repentance, in Jesus' name. Amen, you can find your seat, turn to your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready. If you're online and you don't have a neighbor, you can say it's your cat because God knows they need to repent. Anybody, anybody been watching the Olympic games this month? Anybody, the Olympic games? Yep, all two and a half of us, great. Um, so there are two sets of Olympics, just to kind of catch us all up to speed here. There's the Summer Olympics. How many of you know about the Summer Olympics, like all of the normal sports that we know? But there's this thing, I know it sounds crazy, but there's this thing called snow. It's the white fluffy stuff, South Florida, Guyana. You probably don't know it, you know, palpably, but there's this thing called snow. And in this thing called snow, they sport in some crazy ways. Here is maybe why you don't watch the Winter Olympics, because they do this. Any of you know what that's called? Somebody said a death wish. Yes, this is called the luge. And apparently, if you double-decker it, it looks like this which looks all sort of awkward and a horrible idea all at once. I'm pretty sure someone came up with this drunk. Then you have more sports like this. This is an Olympic sport. It's called the biathlon. It is cross country skiing mixed with guns. I'm pretty sure someone from Georgia moved to Colorado and was like, man, it's cold here. Let's bring our guns. Welcome to the biathlon. This feels like a horrible idea, by the way. Let's just ski around, and when we're totally spent of all of our energy, give someone a gun. How could that go wrong? Welcome to the biathlon. Then we have, I don't even remember. What, well, here we have the next one. Oh, this one's great. Anyone know what this is called? A death wish? Yes, Jack is probably the only human that knows this. This is called the skeleton, otherwise known as get a piece of plastic and fly down a course as fast as you can and hope you don't die headfirst. They don't let you do this on water slides but apparently it is an Olympic sport. We've got another one here. Who knows what this one is called? Yep, this is where you can show off your dad bod and be Olympic athlete all at the same time. It's amazing. You're like, you know what? We're in our late forties, let's be Olympians. What do we do? Get a broom, we'll be good. And finally, a bizarre sport that no one really knows what it is. Yeah, all three of you, hockey. Apparently, by the way, we have the best hockey team in the entire National Hockey League right now, the Florida Panthers, who are on a losing streak, but sorry, we'll come back, but all four of us who care, thank you for the sympathy applause. All right, I started thinking about the Olympics because I think it is analogous to what is happening spiritually when it comes to this word repentance. Let's break it down etymologically. The Olympic games came from where, anybody know? Greece. Very good. You scholars out there. The Olympic games came from Greece. Now here's the problem. When we hear Olympic games, I am thoroughly confident we do not hear what they heard. Here's what I mean. When we hear Olympic games, we just think, oh yeah, you know, it's just, it's just a game. Pastor Johnny, it's just a thing. Three of us watched it, right? No, but I guarantee you a thousand years ago when someone asked their neighbor, hey man, are you going to the games? No one was like, nah, I think I'm just going to watch Cake Wars instead. Right, nobody, the Olympic Games, we think it's just a game. There, it, it was life. We miss all of the, the robust nuances of this word games because our culture now is not the culture then. You see where I'm going with this? We, 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 it, it's it's kind of like what, what Americans did, really, with the Super Bowl, right? We all were like, man, a, a, a bunch of us maybe didn't watch the Super Bowl, but what'd you watch? The halftime show. You watched the geriatric performance where Snoop Dogg, C, walked his way into the nursing home, Right? Was that too much? That was too much, wasn't it? That was too much. Lord, forgive me. Back on track. What I'm trying to say is a lot of us cared more about the halftime show than we cared about the actual game. The point was, was the game. He said, Pastor John, where are you going with this? Here's where I'm going with this. When it comes to the Olympics, in the same way that we have lost the potency and the nuance and the robustness of this word games, I fear that as Christians and followers of Jesus, the same thing has happened with this word repentance. We have a general idea, we kinda have a a sense of maybe what some of the components look like, but the all-encompassing power of the word has been lost on us and I'm praying by God's grace we would rediscover it this morning. See, this is a problem. If you remember from week one, we unpacked this idea of the great awakening and we sort of talked about this revival paradigm. How many of you guys remember this? We talked about in the book of Acts and really all throughout modern history, awakenings, while they differ in different in different aspects, they all seem to follow this general trajectory. They begin with the fact that things stink. Anybody there? Yes. Then they move into, if we're talking revival or awakening, when things stink, people pray. What happens next is a fear of the Lord and repentance takes over in mass, which precipitates revival or awakening and a move of God's spirit that manifests in righteousness and justice. I need us to realize if we mean it, and I believe we do, talking about awakening and revival, what is smack dab in the middle of this process? Repentance. Peter gets up in Acts 2, and he says, repent and believe the gospel. We talked all last week about what the gospel means and all of its facets and amazing profundities, but what does it mean to repent? Or what does repentance actually look like biblically? I'm glad you asked. Let's explore it together. If you're taking notes, jot this down. I'll start with point number one, which is here is what repentance is not here's what repentance is not repentance is not just saying sorry repentance is not just feeling bad repentance is not feeling or sending guilt and guilt trips Repentance is not shame or self-prescribed punishments. Repentance is not putting yourself in spiritual time out to amend for your wrongs. Repentance is not just words, and it's not just tears. It's not being bummed because you got caught. Some of those elements might exist in repentance. They might be components of repentance, but they are not the end all of repentance. Are you tracking with me so far? So what is repentance, Pastor John? Pastor Robert, can you help me? Can you hand this to me? Repentance is like sheep, yes, and shepherds. Repentance is like sheep and shepherds. If you did not know, this is a shepherd's crook. Well, at least it's like a, like a, a cool nursing home version with like this non-slip bottom on the end of it, which I really like. This is for a retired shepherd. Repentance is like sheep and shepherds. Let me take us to Psalm 23, I'll tell us what I mean. Psalm 23, how many of you have heard Psalm 23 before? You've heard it referenced before. Psalm 23, it starts like this. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. How many of you are like, oh, I've heard that before. Show of hands. You're like, I've heard that. I've heard that reference, maybe at funerals, memorial services. Now let me ask a follow-up question, hands down. How many of you have ever been an actual shepherd? Karina, you've been an actual shepherd? (laughs) Of of souls, amen, of hearts. I was like, man, there's so much to your story, I don't know. Online, maybe, I'm not sure, Guyana crew, right? So here's the problem. When we come to Psalm 23, David, who was an actual shepherd, is using a bunch of shepherd language here that if we don't live in the culture, we will not grasp the full ramifications. So let me unpack it. Did a bunch of shepherd research this week. David says this phrase, he, he, he restores my soul. It, it hits different in all of the ancient translations. If you just read it, it seems like a, a sort of one-time moment. He, he does this thing one time, he restores my soul, but the language is an ongoing, progressive, and active process. It's not just, I, I was sad, and now I'm happy. Man, that's so cool. It, it, it's He leads me. The next verse sort of makes it clear. He leads me in paths of righteousness. It's not just a a mental or an emotional transformation. It's an active process where the good shepherd leads us. It's active, it's dynamic, it's ongoing. I don't know if this is gonna stay. So if it falls, just make a loud noise and make it dramatic for me. Psalm 23, I wanna use as a roadmap for biblically what repentance looks like. David says, repentance is not just a new idea. Repentance is a new path here's what shepherds would know. Shepherds in the ancient world would know that, and I'm sure it's still the same now, though they've probably got better technology with it, but, but sheep are not the smartest tools, sharpest tools in the shed. They're not the smartest animals, and so what would happen with sheep, and what still does happen with sheep, is sheep get lost. Can anybody relate to that one? Sheep get lost. Now, here's what happens. When sheep get lost, if they get stuck under a rock or if they get stuck in a bush, here's what sheep do when they get lost. Bah! Bah! everybody say it with me because we're all sheep. Bah! Bible says we're all like sheep. We've gone astray. They, they start. And then, and then when no one comes, guess what they do? They do it louder. Bah! They do it louder. Here's what happens. Sheep. It's not just that they get lost. When they get lost, they become sitting ducks for predators. And the only hope for a sheep is who gets lost and then gets in gets utter freak out mode. You're like, man, I'm not like that. Oh, really? When do we make our f- most foolish and most destructive decisions? When we get in bad places. Because we're like sheep. When that happens, the only hope of a shepherd, the only hope of a sheep is that the good shepherd, A, the, hey, the shepherd is good, and that he comes to the rescue quickly. In fact, using this Psalm 23 language, repentance means to accept being found. The focus, using Psalm 23 as a metaphor, the focus is not on how good the sheep, on how bad the sheep is, but how good the shepherd is. And just like a sheep needs to be found and rescued by the shepherd, repentance means accepting the work of the shepherd and saving you. You guys understand the difference? The focus of repentance in the Hebrew mindset and in Psalm 23 is a metaphor unpacking that. It's not about how bad the sheep is. The sheep is bad, dad joke. I, cu- I couldn't help it. That one, just I, I heard it in my head. I was like, that's gonna be bad and I just did it. It's not about how bad the sheep is. It's about how good the shepherd is. Why? Because we already know that about sheep. God's like, I'm not surprised. Humans, I know that about you, but I'm just that good. It's allowing the good shepherd to lead you, like David says here, onto the new path, onto the right path. It's the path of righteousness. Our our kids, Liam and Lucia, are really into scootering. So they always want to go on their scooters and jump around. I got a little picture of Lucy here. Everybody say, aw. This is Lucy. She's a big girl now. She rides on her scooter. And so they always want to ride. But but, but I tell them, listen, if you want to ride on the scooter, you have to ride on the sidewalk. Why? Because they don't yet fully understand the whole deal with cars and traffic and they're so into their scootering that they won't always notice when a car is flying through who hopefully notices them but maybe does not. And so a regular part to my wife's utter chagrin, a regular part of our family walks that they want to use the scooters, which ends up being way more stressful than it is peaceful, is stay on the sidewalk, kids. Stay on the sidewalk, kids. They, they, well, why? Is that because we are limiting parents who don't want our kids to enjoy and have fun? No, it's because we want our kids to live, right? It's because we want them alive. And so we prescribe for them a right path, a sidewalk path, a right path, because we ultimately desire their flourishing and long life. It's not about limiting their freedom, it's about ensuring their thriving. Do you understand the heart of a father? Now, they don't get it all the time, and so Liam's always like, why? He sees this big, wide-open street, and he's like, Dad, come on. That would be awesome, and he wants to race, it, but he doesn't understand. Son, it's not all well. Eventually, sure, you're gonna figure out, and I'll help you when you get there. The street could be an amazing place, but right now, you just gotta trust me on this, son. I'm trying to lead you in the right path. See, repentance, biblically, it requires humility. Repentance, biblically, is all about the fact that when we come to a realization that we are like sheep, we're prone to wander. We're prone to blow it. We're, we're dead meat if and when we do because we get stuck and all we do is go We're we're primed for the picking. We're right there for predators. It's realizing we're sheep, but it's also realizing that our shepherd is good and that he knows and he wants what's best for us. Does this make sense, the sheep, shepherd metaphor? You guys tracking with me here? Okay, here's what this means. It means if there is anything that a follower of Jesus should be good at, if there's anything that a Christian should be proficient in, it is repenting. Christians should be professional repenters. If you're married to a professional repenter, raise your hand, be like, give them some bonus credit. Okay, one of you. Okay, great. Two of you, that's great. We, this is, th- we should be pros. I mean, we could, I, I consider changing the name of the church. We could make this instead of Greenhouse, we could call it Repenters Anonymous. We could be raw which is the name of the Egyptian sun god. So never mind, scratch that. That would be confusing. But you know what I'm saying? Like if there's anything that we should be pros at, it should be repentance, but so often the worst repenters are the people of God. Can I get an amen? Why? Let me ask you a question, followers of Jesus, and, and by the way, if you're watching online in the room and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, thrilled that you're here investigating God, faith and spirituality, you can just track with us for a second. But if you follow Jesus, think about this. Do you remember who you were before you met Jesus? Woo, do you remember where you were before you met Jesus? Was it difficult to accept the need for repentance in that moment? Probably not, why? Because you knew you were lost, you were broke, you were at rock bottom. It was pretty easy to accept being found then, right? Here's a problem. When it's then, it's so obvious, it's so clear that we needed it, but now, we do these mental gymnastics where we do like mental judo and it's easy to convince ourselves into thinking that, 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 that now we're good. You're like, Pastor John, I'm, I'm, I'm good, really. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I've been sanctified and, and raised by the blood of the lamb and, and we use all the Christianese, washing the blood, all the things that freak people out and they don't know what we mean and we say all the things and we're like, I'm, I'm good. Pastor John, they, whoever the they is in your life, politically or religiously or socioeconomically, or, they need repentance. I just need, I just need a little tweak. I just need a little tune-up. I, I just need a little course correction. And then we have moments in life that are sort of equal opportunity course correction offenders. I'll tell you one area that'll bring you to your knees in humility and repentance real quick. One word. Parenting. Can I get an amen? If you need some repentance in your life, yeah, Desiree's like, amen. If you need some repentance in your life, just go ahead and have a kid. I I remember one evening, this was several months ago, um, my son had not had a nap, which meant he was all sorts of hangry. And he was just, he's a sweet kid, but he was not a sweet kid that day. And and we're getting ready. I'm like 15 minutes left on the clock before bedtime. I'm like, we just got to survive at that point. And so we're getting there and I'm putting him down and he just starts having a fit. And he just starts yelling, dad, why'd you do that? And he starts yelling, this is what he yells. Dad, you didn't even pray for me. Now, you know you're a pastor's kid when your temper tantrum is you didn't even pray for me. And man, I, I, I wish I could say, I, I responded in a gentle pastoral voice. But, but I, I, was, I was like, you gotta be, is he really yelling at me, screaming temper tantrum that I didn't pray for him? I was like, son, you gotta be kidding me. And I yelled, I lost it. I lost my temper and I yelled at him. He kind of cowers back. I don't yell a ton. But I was just so, my mom, I was like, are, you gotta be joking. Like, are you really? And I kind of gathered myself and I, and, and I walked out of the room and I was like, spirit of God, presence of God. And I came back in and I said, son, you need to go to bed. You are tired. I said, but I'm sorry I yelled at you. I, I should not have done that. No matter how you respond, I can respond differently. I should not have lost my temper, son. I'm very sorry. Will you forgive me? And he's like, I forgive you. Okay. And he gave me a hug and everything's good. The next day comes and I'm putting his sister, Lucia, down for a nap. And, and those of you parents that still have or can remember when you had young ones, right? Like that's like the, the, the crucial moment there. You're putting her down and she starts closing the eyes and the promised land is in sight. You have a free hour to yourself. You're like, oh, and so I'm there and I'm rocking her. And right before she's about to go to bed and I'm about to put her down, I'm walking to her little crib you know, thing and Liam opens the door and says, hey dad, are we gonna go? And I just he got the look, he got the look, I didn't yell, but he got the look, and, and I know he saw it, and he got, he kind of felt a certain way, and I'm like, oh man, and I'm just thinking, I'm like, I'm going to put Lucy down, he's going to have another meltdown, he's going to be so mad, and, da, 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 and I'm like, ah, and I walk out there, just ready for World War III, and, and I'm like, hey, and he's like, dad, I'm sorry, you told me not to come in there, and I I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I was like, what child is this? The kingdom has come. You know, it's this moment. And I'm like, this is amazing. Here's the incredible wisdom of Jesus, especially for any parents, really for any disciple maker, but especially for any parents in the room. You reap what you sow, which means repentant and humble parents I hope you see in the story. I was both the villain and in some ways the grace of God moved and I got to repent. I was not perfect here. But repentant and humble parents produce repentant and humble children eventually by the grace of God. And when they're old, they won't depart, right? By the way, this is not talking about repentance with your kids or the spiritual kids in your life. This is living it with them and in front of them and before them. And when you, when you fail in public, you get to repent in public. It's living a life of humble and consistent repentance. By the way, this is a huge deal to God. And it's been a huge deal for the people of God for thousands of years now. In, in the Hebrew, the word for repentance is Teshuvah. Turn to your neighbor and say Teshuvah, Teshuvah. You learned some Hebrew this morning, Teshuvah. The word literally means to return. Teshuvah, that's what this word means, to return. Here's the idea. This is why Psalm 23 is helpful, and I'm hoping it's a passage we all know that can be a memory recall for this principle because repentance, according to the Hebrew mindset, which is what Jesus, the Jewish teacher and rabbi, would have been espousing, repentance is not just a theoretical idea. It is an active process of returning. Teshuvah, to return. And this is a huge deal to God. And it's a big deal for us, this humility, this teachability, not just for salvation, but to make it in the process of sanctification as well. And as I think about going back to my beginning story of the Olympic games, and as I think about one of the realities when it comes to repentance, one of the tragedies of losing the robustness and the full unpacking of this word, repentance, is that if we miss it, we miss the secret weapon, I would say for humans, but definitely for anyone who follows Jesus, if we wanna make it in this life, why? Because we're all sheep, we're all sheep, we go astray. It's not if we go astray, it's when we go astray, we will go astray, check out what First John says, it says that we claim, First 1 John 1, 1.8, if we claim to be without sin, We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 53 says it like this, all we like sheep. Like I'm offended, how dare God call me a sheep? Well, he kind of knows who he made. And if we really think about it, it's, it's true. All we like sheep, we go astray. We've turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. All of us are like sheep. All of us have sinned, First John says, which means we all have need for the good shepherd to come and lead us in paths of righteousness. We all have a need for repentance. Here's the application and, and we're gonna end this whole thing in worship. Here's the application this morning. I want us to Repent. I want us to repent. I actually want us to take what might be a demonized word that we run from and find it as a joy-filled word that we embrace. I want us to embrace a lifestyle, not just a moment. Back when I, in 1927, or no, how old were that, I don't know. That's Back, you know, whenever we met Jesus, but say, I want to embrace a lifestyle of repentance. I explained the word teshuva in the Hebrew. There's also a word in Greek for repentance. It's this word metanoia metanoia it literally means to change one's mind it's basically saying up to this point I, I, I shift my mind i shift my mindset about the way i was viewing this situation or this action or this reality is to have another mind about something or about everything you're like but pastor john what does that actually look like that's very theoretical and sort of esoterical here's proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. probably my favorite single bible verse that i feel like really concisely unpacks repentance says this, he who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Whoever covers their sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. It's not just acknowledging the wrongness of the current moment, of the current space, of the current action, but it is confessing that to God and James five says to others, and then turning from it and going a different direction. Here's the incredible thing about this, and, and I want to unpack this in a way that I'm hoping maybe resonates more than sheep and shepherds because we don't have any shepherds in our midst, which I assumed, how many of you have ever used MapQuest? All right, there we go, I have used it. Uh, repentance is like a GPS over MapQuest, and I'm gonna trip on this if I don't move it, so I'm gonna move it right here. All right, back in the days, how how many of you get around now? What do you use now to get around? You use your, your, your phone, right? Your smartphone if you've got an iPhone or your relatively smartphone if you have Android. Okay, but you use your phone and you use GPS. But before the days of GPS, there was this incredibly innovative program called MapQuest. I stand before you with a relic from the past. These are literal MapQuest directions, which still exist. No idea how, but it does. So what I did is you you would plug in, in your um, your, uh, desktop computer, the only option you had back then, you would plug in uh, the directions and you would plug in the address to your desired destination and then it would give you a route-by-route, turn-by-turn navigation that required the use of your odometer. You're like, what, what's that? That's the thing that tells you how many miles, right? You you had to like, and so here's what you would do. You would have a assistant if you wanted to survive your trip called a co-pilot or a navigator. And they would be responsible for holding your directions, your life and and limb in in their arms. And they would read things like this. Start out going Northwest on 97th Avenue towards Springtree Lake Drive. Then in 0.07 miles, turn left onto Springtree Lakes Drive. You're like you're what's northwest? What's .07? What you would have to like tabulate this stuff. I mean, and, and if, if God forbid you missed the direction, get ready for an impassioned conversation with your spouse. And many gas station stops with blank stares of how to get back on the .07 miles to the third like this was if you fell off the path, God help you. it's, it, it, it's crazy. What does GPS do? GPS accelerates the process. If you, if you miss a turn with GPS, what does it say? Rerouting, rerouting, right? You you go there, make a U-turn at point oh seven. GPS does that. Now, if you did not understand the intention behind the GPS, you might come to the wrong assumption that the GPS is out to get you, that the GPS is trying to throw it in your face, that the GPS is trying to ruin your best life. But the GPS is not trying to ruin your best life. What's it trying to do? It's trying to get you to your desired destination faster and seamlessly. That's Repentance. Repentance is, hey, you can settle for MapQuest and your own best efforts and abilities to read the guide map and get you to the place. Or you can lean into the Holy Spirit who prompts you in the moment as you make wrong turns, not because he hates you, but because he wants you to get to the desired destination. Repentance is a gift. Repentance is like, so, I mean, Holy Spirit-fueled repentance is like a GPS for your soul. It's turn-by-turn navigation where the Spirit of God says, hey, I know where you want to go because it's where I want you to go and it's where you want to go, and now we're on the same team. And just, just, just don't do that. Just turn around now. You don't have, it's going, I'm going to save you 20 minutes and a fight with your spouse. Just turn around now. This is the beauty of Holy Spirit-fueled and Holy Spirit-led biblical repentance. It's not just for salvation. It's if you want to make it in life. Your your pastors, Pastor John, Pastor Robert, Pastor Malik, we repent regularly. Mature disciples repent regularly. People who live the easy yoke and light burden of Jesus repent regularly and are great repenters because true biblical repentance doesn't disqualify you for the work of God. It prepares you for it. Yeah, yeah, this is a secret right here like we think, oh man, if I'm repenting all the time, it must mean that I'm a failure. If I'm repenting all the time, it must mean that that I'm that I'm unfit for God's kingdom if I'm repenting all the time. No, it means you're in touch with your sheepedness and you're really zealous. That's not even a word. You're really zealous to follow the good shepherd cuz you know his plans are not to shame you. They're for good. They're to prosper you and not to harm you. He's got plans for a hope and a future. If there's anything church, I'm like, man. If there's anything greenhouse is known for, I don't, we don't need to be the coolest church. We don't need to be the best church. We don't need to have the best looking pastor. I don't even have any hair. We don't need to do. Uh, I'm praying that we would be a church that says, man, greenhouse, man, they can repent. Whew, that church. When they blow it, they do it quickly. Like they fail fast in the business world. That's like a thing. Like, man, you're gonna fail. You learn from failures, but fail, learn to fail fast. That's repentance. And it's a vision for our lives. It doesn't just work for business, it works in your soul. You wanna have an incredible marriage? Get great at repentance. You wanna raise amazing kids who love God and people and walk in humility? Get great at repentance. Now, Pastor John, I I do wanna do, I wanna be those things. How do I start? You start with yourself. Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there's any wicked way in me and then lead me in the way of the everlasting. By the way, this is King David again. This is Psalm 23 language. It's the same language. It's a prevailing biblical metaphor for repentance. Lord, I'm a sheep. I've strayed. What do I do? Ah, I'm gonna throw a pity party. I'm gonna beat myself up. I'm gonna tell myself how horrible I am. No, the shepherd's good. He already knows. Just ask him to lead you in paths of righteousness, in the way of the everlasting. Here's the call for some of us this morning, whether you're in the room, maybe you're watching online. By the way, we have a whole crew up at Breakthrough Weekend right now. God's moving in incredible ways. We have people get baptized. We had three people from Guyana join for the Breakthrough Weekend. I mean, it's been amazing. Respond. This morning, we have the baptismal tank, we have a change of clothes. The call of Peter is still the call for for humans. It's repent and be baptized. Maybe you have repented, you've changed your mind and said, Jesus, your Lord, but you've never been baptized. Do that today. There is a path of blessing that God has for you that comes in joyful obedience. Maybe you have not repented, maybe you came here and you're like, John, I'm not even sure about Jesus and faith, but I'm kinda open and I think it might be true. The call is repent and be baptized. If you have not done it, that's your next step. You could do it today. We got to change your clothes. You can find Pastor Robert or myself after service. We will help baptize you today. But repentance is not just for salvation. Repentance is for everybody. It's a lifestyle. It's for rescue in any area. Areas like selfishness. I would argue that the idol of the current moment is self. We've taken self-care and we've taken it well beyond what the Bible advocates where we've made ourselves Lord and Savior rather than living the best self, which is the sacrificial self. It's the way of Jesus. Maybe the spirit will prompt your heart that you've gotten a little too comfortable in this earth. I remember reading the news this week when, when Russia invaded the Ukraine and I felt what I'm sure we all felt, this sense of like ground shaking underneath your feet. And I was with Pastor Robert. I walked out of the office, I'm like, man, do you? And we start talking, I'm like, you know what, Pastor Robert? And, and so I was like, Wait a second. I'm, I'm, see, I'm, I'm with Jesus. Like to live as Christ and to die as gain. If this is the precursor to World War III, I'm like I don't want that to happen. But i I'm, I'm, you know, to be absent with the bodies, to be present with the Lord. I want to spend my life for the gospel's only, And I like pep talked my way biblically into like, yeah, let's go, bro. Let's go. And we went that. That's what we did. If you've noticed that it wasn't, it, it should be disconcerting and heartbreaking, and should prompt us to pray. But if you notice the foundation of your life gets shaken when things of this world get crushed. It might be an indicator that you've gotten a little too comfortable in a world where you were just meant to be a passerby and an alien and a stranger. Maybe the Spirit's gonna prompt you to repent, to find the freedom and the joy on the other side of repentance when it comes to pride and self-reliance. Maybe it's greed, maybe it's sexual immorality. Had a member, of somebody in the church family say that they felt like God was saying he wanted to set some people free from sexual addiction. Maybe you've been in the spot and your own best MapQuest efforts haven't, you gotten, to the, haven't gotten you to the desired destination. Jesus can rescue. It's safe to assume we all need to respond in some way in repentance this morning. I'm gonna close with this story. Worship team, you guys can come up and, and then we'll close out our time in worship and repentance. I, I came across a story this week of a, of a pastor in China Right, as communism took over in China. Like some stories we've heard right now really regarding the, the Ukraine. I read a few like that. He, 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 he had the opportunity to leave, to flee China when the writing was on the wall and, and sensed the spirit of God leading him to stay. And, and so he stayed rather than left knowing that there was most likely suffering and persecution to come. And sure enough, it did. For two years, he was tortured. What started as physical torture and didn't yield any results became psychological torture. And every single day, mercilessly, they would come in and and try to do this psychological torture. And they were over and over and over trying to get this missionary to renounce his faith, to renounce the way of Jesus, to say that God was dead and a fool. The missionary recounts, he says, "After, after a year and a half, things start wearing on you. He said, but they made a key mistake. They came to him one morning, this is his account, they came to him one morning and they said, listen, we, we've been trying to show you that communism and, and Tao and Marx are better and smarter than Jesus. They said, just look at this story. And they went to the story of Jesus and leaving the 99 sheep, the good shepherd, to go and find the one. They said, Jesus tells the story of leaving the 99 to go and find the one. They said, what sort of a fool does that? They said, that's, that's foolish. It's foolish economically. It's foolish uh, intellectually. It's foolish fiscally. They said, that makes no sense. It's a dumb idea. Jesus is a foolish leader. The missionary said all of a sudden something in his heart welled up. And he said, he's not a fool. He said the shepherd is good he's gonna care for the 99 he's got that under control he knows what he's doing he's a good shepherd he said but the moral of the story is that i am the one sheep and i'll go astray and he turned to his tormentors and he said and you are the one sheep and you will too he said and jesus is not a fool he's good he said and in this story I find the reminder for my own soul that no matter what, my shepherd will always come for me. He said, and in that moment, something shifted and the torture was torture no more. I knew he was there. Friends, the moral of the story is we're all like sheep. Like the old hymn says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. We're all like sheep before Jesus and after Jesus and in the process with Jesus, whether it's salvation or sanctification, we continue to go astray like sheep, which is why the good shepherd is the hero of the story. And if you're here this morning, you're watching online and you need to be rescued, I need to let you know this morning, you have not fallen too far and you have not strayed too badly. His arm is not too short that he cannot rescue and deliver from whatever rock or bush you find yourself stuck under. If you just bleat out in a call of helpless rescue, he will come. So I wanna give space this morning for us to cooperate with the work of the good shepherd for us to accept the rescue of the good shepherd, for us to respond in biblical repentance, which is not changing our own lives and pulling ourselves up by our bootstrap. It's saying, I'm a sheep God and left to my own devices. I can't fix the things I long to fix on the inside of me. So come and rescue me. And he promised he would every single time. And I wanna give us a chance to respond right now. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna close in a time of worship and repentance. A month ago, I was sitting right there during worship and and felt God say we were supposed to shift this sermon. I knew it was coming up. Pastor Mike and I sermon planned together. I knew it was coming up later in the in the month and I felt like we were supposed to shift how we structure things to leave ample time for response at the end. And I want to encourage you to respond. Whatever that looks for you, maybe it's in your chair, the altars are open. If you just want to come to the front and bow your knee as a symbol, as a posture of repentance and humility before God, we're just going to carve out some space this morning before we're done. We'll end at our normal time. You don't have to be worried about time, but I want to give us space to respond to the work of God's spirit. Why don't you stand to your feet with me? I'm going to pray for us and then Bobby and the team are going to lead us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Thank you for the gift you've given us in repentance. Thank you for the key to this joy-filled life, the life and life abundantly. It is found when we look to you, when we're actively open And rather than being resistant, we're welcoming to your promptings, to the spiritual GPS of your Holy Spirit when you tell us to turn and shift and drop and realign. Lord, we say yes to you. We know that you're the good shepherd. You're not doing us because you wanna keep us from fun. You're doing it because you wanna spare us from harm and you want us to experience the life and life abundantly that you have purchased for us, Jesus, with your own blood, we say yes. And Lord, any way you wanna prompt us in repentance this morning, any way by your spirit you wanna prompt us whether it's repent, be baptized, or other areas of our lives, or lifestyle, or hearts, or mental thoughts, or attitudes, or mindsets that is pushing us away from your calling and from your presence rather than leading us closer in. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would speak. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Prompt our hearts and give us the courage to respond.